saben Pero ese es mi vicio que le voy a hacer Mientras tenga plata para que lo pague A nadie le importa mi modo de ser Well, hello, everybody. This is Manny Escamilla, the Full Metal Archivist, uh, here with the Puro Palasi Pari uh, podcast. So uh, today we're going to be having the guest of Jairo Cortez uh, yeah, talk about his uh, efforts there with uh, Chispa, uh, the whole uh, kind of story as to how he got involved with the uh, immigrant rights movement, and a little bit on the uh, ongoing, evolving uh, media desert that is Orange County. So, um, yeah, I uh, had a fun conversation with him. And uh, the song that we are hearing uh, in the background was picked by him. So it's El Borracho de Santana by Los Regionales de Santana. So, cool little thing. I actually have their CD here with me. Um, it's actually pretty awesome. Like, I uh, highly recommend you guys check out uh, Zacatecas Records uh, for some local banda. And, uh, yeah, so uh, we'll be uh, getting right into the interview. So, Jairo, the recording has started. Can you please introduce yourself? Um, Jairo Cortez. Um, um, I don't know. I'm an executive director at Chispa. I'm a longtime Santanero, an immigrant from Guerrero. What else? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, that's, it's, not, that's about it. That's about it. All right. Yeah, it's, it's really like whatever you want. Um, let's see. So, you know, what is Chispa? So, Chispa, um, I'll tell you what we're trying to be. Okay. Um, I think, I think like, we've, like, evolved over a while, but I think, like, the grand vision, like, has always uh, stayed the same. And so what we're trying to be is we're trying to... Uh, we're an organization, we're um, a nonprofit, um, and our mission, our goal, and our aim is to build, you know, like a political home for young Latinx folks here in Orange County um, to harness like the power of young Latinx folks to, you know, like to create change, to create change uh, to systems like through organizing, um, through, you know, in many levels, right? Like organizing on the ground the way that, you know, uh, we've learned how to do, uh, organizing digitally and learning how to engage, you know, like at the political, like electoral level. So what does that end up actually looking like then? So for us, that's looked like, um, I think, like, we've done, like, two of those things, like, somewhat well, I, I think. Um, so that that's looked like engaging, like, in policy campaigns. Um, so you, we've been very active in particularly this, these last two years, like, in issues of, like, police accountability. And I'll use that as an example. Um, and so we've, in it, the way that that's looked like is both like engaging people to take action, uh, whether it's um, 
attending city council meetings, um, attending like forums, just like uh, like educational like you know like presentations, just to learn like about the issue itself, and um, and so that's kind of like the on the ground stuff, right? Like the on the ground part. Uh, one thing that I think like we really we've really like been able to harness has been like the digital aspect of it. So I'm a big believer in writing and in publishing. Um, and over these last two years, like for us, yeah, we've done like the petitions like to identify who our supporters are, like who the people are that align with us on the issue. Um, and use that, you know, like send those like petitions to city council, ask those people to make a phone call to attend the meeting. Um, and we've written about like the issues, you know, we've written about like issues around like the police union election, like expenses and like why that's a problem. Um, we've written about, you know, like basically in a lot of ways, like we've been like our own like media and like our own reporter, like like the reporters on our own work. So we've written about um, issues with, uh, you know, like police misconduct records. Um, when we were trying to keep the city from destroying them and basically covering, you know, like how difficult it really was like to get a lot of these records over the last two years. Um, and then that's even with changes to the state law saying that you can now have access to these. It was because of changes to the state law, <laughs> you know. Um, and so that those are the two things like that I think like we've, have worked and that I think like, okay, like we're there, we're on the right track. Like, uh, like we've, uh, we've, we've done it right. Like we've done the on the ground work, like the digital, like whether it's like doing our own publications, um, engaging folks like on our mailing list, engaging folks on social media. Um, and now I think like where we're trying to like dip our toes in, is on the elections and so this uh this month we endorsed uh vicente sarmiento for mayor here in santana and jesse lopez for ward three here in santana so vicente con la gente and um vote j-lo vote, vote j-lo yes okay <laughs> all right you, you heard it here probably not first i'm sure you, you blasted this um, out there um all right cool so yeah you like as you're doing all this stuff, um, and I know you like thought that this is kind of boring, but I think it's like pretty interesting in that you're essentially you're running a C three and a C four. Like, is that like, is that correct? Uh, yeah. Okay. And then for the for the audience that doesn't know like the different like what is a C three, what is a C four? I mean, they're just different types of like nonprofits in the tax code. So the C three and C four part of the it just refers to the part of the tax code where they fall. So your C3s are like typical are like considered charities, right? So you have like your churches, you have um you know like groups like a food bank or food something. banks or like, you know, like litigation groups like Maldef, right? Oh, um, I didn't, okay, I didn't realize Maldef is totally C3. Okay. And and you know, I think like that's that's mostly like I think like what we've been familiar with. Um, and like the difference is just like in terms of like what they're able to do. So with like C3s, 
you are allowed to do like a limited amount of lobbying activity, right? Like that's like engaging. I, I think like it's like the point at which you ask a legislator to vote for something or you ask, you know, what they call like grassroots lobbying where you ask people to message a legislator to vote for something. Okay. Um, and I mean, there's like, um, so there's that, right? Uh, they can't do any like election, any partisan election work, right? You can do like get out the vote. You can encourage people to, to go out and vote. You can do voter registration, but you can't do take any position on candidates. And so with a C4, it's kind of just like it falls under a different part of the tax code where it's like you can do unlimited lobbying if that's what your resources like say like you're able to do. Um, and you can do limited partisan activity. Okay. So you can endorse, um, you can um, support candidates as long as it's not like the majority of your work. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so just like a little, little extra, and little, little extra flexibility in there built in. Right, and I, and you know, I think like that model of like having both, um, is something that, I, we basically copied it, and like seeing how like national like organizations. I think like that's kind of been like the preferred model, more and more like within the progressive organizing political landscape more and more. And mm -hmm. I think it's just, it. there's just been like, somebody did it and it demystified it a bit. And so somebody else did it and somebody else did it. Right. Um, it's like you had someone actually sit down and read the tax code and be like, hey, I could do this. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I think like for us, like we've wanted, like we wanted like that flexibility. Right. Um, I think like, you know, I've been organizing since 2012. Uh, doing like immigrant rights work and we had a lot of policy wins mm -hmm. you know we had just not just here in Santana but across the state um, but like the wake-up call was like in Santana you know we were able to get the city council majority at the time to agree that the ICE contract the city had like had to go mm -hmm. um, and a lot of our partners had a lot of wins, whether it was like the initial like Sunshine Ordinance, the uh, Housing Opportunity Ordinance, which the current council majority is basically like doing away with. Yeah, they, they got, gutted it uh, this last week, and we'll, we'll see if it uh, passes the second reading, which probably will, right? I don't, I don't see some of those yeah, votes changing, right. but... Yeah, um, and you know, it's just, it was just like this realization that we, you know, like we can have the policy wins, but the reality is like we couldn't defend them when it came to the elections mm -hmm. and so like now it was kind of like hey like we need like the, the flexibility at least you know we need at, at least like a minimum level of flexibility that we can tell our supporters here's who's <laughs> better right or slightly better right like, which <laughs> often is the case yeah, it's like it's not not anyone that's perfect, but um, this is who we can work with. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I think it's just it, you know, like it's like a you know, like a like a like the idea of like contesting power mm -hmm. at every level, um, and if not like going for perfection and going for like you know like candidates that 
are gonna be with us like 100% of the time because we know who the people that run for office like tend to be mm-hmm. and what their inclinations and like leanings tend to be. But it's like, it's about like creating the conditions, like w- which candidates or like which, right, like is gonna give us the best terrain mm-hmm. like to to organize in. Right. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. And and it is definitely a different perspective, right, when you're running and trying to form a coalition to to be able to get the majority vote versus having, like, you know, any particular um, interest group decide, you know, the entirety of policy, right? And then that right. is always, like, a, a bit of a balancing act. Um, because, I, I don't know, like, it's in Santa in, in, in it's still always, um, at least in my mind, a challenge to figure out exactly what people believe, like, because we don't ha- really have any kind of good polling, we don't have any like full understanding in, in like you know, each one of those demographic break- breakdowns. I'm always afraid of being like in a bubble and echo chamber. Where, yeah, everyone around my age, from my educational background, with my particular life experiences. Oh, we all agree on this topic, yes. But then, like, how much of that like is the the entirety of the city? That's right. always yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, even like things like that can change. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I think like. Um, just and and that's like another realization. It's um, <clears throat> it's I I think like something like I've shared. Just you know, like I think like especially now because of the pandemic, there's like a lot of you know focus on like communications, like you know let's pivot to like communication stuff. And I think like the traditional, like the traditional, whether it's like in the party system like the actual like political arena or like that more like um professionalized like advocacy Mm. um and also you know it's like like especially when you had like people running advocacy stuff like that aren't really like impacted by it mm-hmm. like the the traditional way of like thinking about like communications and messaging is let's figure out what message is going to appeal to people that way we can get them with it mm. um and i think like my approach and like the thing that i always advocate for is like i'm not trying to meet people like that like where they're at is like i think like the the work is to try to get people to move somewhere where they are in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, and, and I think you, you've identified a, a key um, problem sometimes uh, in how do I say this um, with with groups trying to conduct social change. Or yeah, I, I would even maybe say this of the Democratic Party as a whole. It's always um, this issue. Um, there's a Yale Yale professor that kind of identified this topic of triangulation as a as a good tactic and a bad strategy is basically you're always going to say like, oh, okay, well, if my opponent is here and then I'm here, then we triangulate and we meet somewhere in the middle. But then once your opponent or the opposing side realizes that you're going to triangulate, they're always going to go a little bit more extreme. Right. <clears throat> so then it's like, okay, well, then you you lose the, the long-term um, um, you know, contest there. Right. And, you know, we see like the right has just been moving like further and further <laughs> the extreme you know Donald Trump's our president yeah (laughs) yeah living in an era where um he I think literally just told uh folks that QAnon folks are you know they they love him so they're wonderful people cool yeah and it's like oh oh wow (laughs) (laughs) this is no this is really serious this is this has been serious but this is really really serious right now um 
Yeah, it's it's insane. And it's it's to what you were saying where yeah, you have to convince more people and it's actually like doing that work of convincing people as to what the actual policy should be rather than just meeting them where they're at. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, whether that's successful we'll see eventually. I think you know, I think like overall the there I like there's been like a shift in you know, like there was a shift in Santana, right? Like like why did why like did Santana like pass like probably like the strongest like sanctuary policy in the country when before they you know even like that current that at the time like that council majority probably wouldn't want to touch it like even just a few years before and it's like it's been like a change it's been a change because of the organizing that a lot of folks in the city did for years before that um that really like trickled up as well you mm-hmm. know like it trickled up to the state level it in some ways, like, it trickled up, like, federally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, like, absent that action, like, it's... The politics, like, remains static right. and stagnant. Right, and I, I don't think that people sometimes realize how much of an impact um, immigrant activists from Santa Ana and Central Orange County it played, at the, like, on the national scene. Like, I don't know if you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and, like, <clears throat> um, yeah. so, I mean... It's a lot, you know, I think like you have even like going back to like the Orange County Dream Team, it was one of like the first community based like immigrant youth groups, like not based out of a campus, but based out of the community, like one of the first like in the state and in the country. And, you know, like it that ended up happening like more like it like models like organizations like that exploded you know like um but it's it's you know like a lot of like organizers that are like from here that started here really you know like really went on to do like um a lot of like statewide and like national work that's been like pivotal right um and I mean, there's like a lot, right? And I can tell you like names of people and I can tell you like what some people did. I think like I always, uh, you know, I, I think like like one person, you know, like that I can think of, I think like that uh, sometimes like doesn't get like enough recognition for what they did is also like Alexis uh, Nava. And like the deportation defense work that he did here in Santana, like it was like genius. Like it was just like he won case like the types of cases that like most people didn't think like could ever be won, right? Like and got people like out of detention um, that you know like most lawyers you know wouldn't touch their case, and he did it like through a mix of like you know, like, organizing a community and organizing, like, the lawyers themselves. Um, and I think, like, that's, like, that's, that's like, a, an example. Um, you have people like, you know, like, Carlos Amador, like, he came, you know, he was, like, from East LA, he went to school in, like, Cal State Fullerton, was part of, like, the Dream Team, helped found the California Immigrant Youth Justice Alliance that, you know, like, right now is really, like, 
is going hard against like immigrant detention here in California and really you know like I I think like they're doing like the type of of like abolitionist work um, that is necessary and really going hard against like immigrant detention um, and uh, and you know like approaching it from like multiple angles you know like continuing to do the deportation defense work pushing ICE to release people um, organizing young people in like the areas where the immigrant detention centers are and also like you know like putting the questions up to like Governor Newsom and Javier Becerra about like their role in this because they do have a lot of like latitude in this fight and they're just you know like to, like it's not even fair to say that they're dragging their feet because they're not moving at all um, and you know it's, it's just like that's like another example right like Carlos Amador like was a big part of like founding this organization mm-hmm. that's you know like done a lot of amazing work over since 2012 and so and so I guess and that's like from your time that you'd been involved in the um in in the immigrant rights movement but uh, I'm wondering like if there was any connection or if there was any kind of acknowledgement of um, prior organizations, I know that like at least uh, here uh, with the 80s and 90s, you had like uh, uh, folks. Oh my God, I can't believe them. Like Hermandad Nacional that was that were kind of organizing and like kind of fighting for political power here in, in Santa Ana locally, um, along with you know particular chapters of uh, LULAC that were still fairly active. And I'm not sure like what role they might have played like early on. Like if there were any connections like from kind of those eras of um, organizing to like this modern, more modern era, and like, or if that was kind of more of a clean break for you, uh, yeah, that I, mean, I know, I I know like that there was. I don't know the detail. I know like you know like with the Dream Team, like mm-hmm. I I've like I I interviewed actually like a couple of folks that were around like towards the beginning, like uh, uh, Minerva Gomez. Like mm-hmm. I don't know where she's at right now, but she's been. I mean, Orga- around somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, I spoke with her. I spoke, like, uh, Jamie Johnson, like, other folks that were kind of, like, around the beginning of the Dream Team. I know, like, Sig Hernandez was a name that came up a lot okay. as someone who was, like, a, you know, like, a pretty big, like, early supporter. You know, I think he was, like, that was, like, the name that, you know, like, everybody brought up. Yeah, no, Zeke's been uh, running in the city since the uh, the eighties. Has uh, you know been very um, involved in the local chapter of Lulac here, and uh, still is on the uh, school board, the um, Rancho board right now. Yeah, um, so cool guy, I like him. Um, I think yeah, like I think eventually though there were like breaks and breaks and breaks, <laughs> right? right? Um, and it's it's a generational thing, mm-hmm. you know, and like. Um, it's happened. It's gonna. It's happening, and it's gonna happen, and that's fine. Right. And then one day you will be the old man in the room, and <laughs> I already feel like the old man in the room. <laughs> <laughs> These young zoomers, they're TikToks. <laughs> like, All right, cool. TikToks, Roblox. Roblox uh, is fun, yeah. That's. I have. I have a niece. It's like just like on. Yeah, you because know, of the pandemic, she's just on Roblox all day, and then it's like, what is that? I'm, oh, okay, that's pretty. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I could, like if I was your age, I'd, I'd probably be doing that too. But yeah. I'm not. Like I'm gonna go for my AAA game over here. That's uh, a little more. Yeah, I, I don't understand the uh, the um, how do I say this the the lack of processing power in modern gaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, interesting. So um, you had mentioned this term, and because again, in the, you know, we get all kinds of folks that will listen in that maybe aren't so keyed into particular um, um, ongoing discourses. And you use the term the abolitionist work. So, like when we refer to kind of abolitionist work, what are you referring to in particular? I mean, like in, in that instance, like we're referring to like prison abolition, right? Like immigrant detention is just like the latest extension of like the prison system. Um, and you know, like it's like it's like primarily and deeply like profit driven one. Um, and I think like the, you know, I, 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 I think like it's when you're organizing around detention and around deportations, um, you're going to hit a point or you're going to come across or have to contend with the question of do we work to make the system better and to make the system more humane? Or do we acknowledge that that actually is like impossible and that that system was by design, like by design, by like since like its conception and like implementation like by design it's it's a system designed like to cause harm and so like is do we work to improve the system and improve the conditions and you know like limit deportations like in this case or do we say like no like we actually don't even need that system right like there is like no value to a deportation system like there really isn't there is like no, you know, like there is like, like we shouldn't have detention centers, period. And, you know, like CJA, uh, the California Marine Youth Justice Alliance, like, you know, like the way that they answered that question was like, no, we shouldn't, you know, it's like, we're not here, you know, like to say, hey, let's improve the conditions, right? Or like, that's not, you know, it's kind of like that's not gonna be us. Like we're actually gonna go hard at like we should shut down these detention centers, whether they're op- operated by GEO or whether they are operated by the federal government, or whether it's like a wing in a jail and run by a local city like the one here in Santana was. And you know, like it was a question that we had to come up with when we did that campaign against the um, ICE contract in Santana. Where, where, you know, I think, like, the conversation, like, for some folks, the conversation was, like, let's, like, let's focus and organize around, like, improving the conditions inside the jail. And, like, other folks push just, let's just end that contract. Right. But then I think some of the conservative pushback, I think, that came even from council members at the time, Solorio in particular was that um, by eliminating the pod there at Santa Ana that everyone would end up at Adelanto, right? And, and that, is that essentially is is what happened, right? Like people that were there at uh, the, the pods here um, in Santa Ana now 
for the most part, would be over at the Adelanto Center. So at the time, you know, like, I, I don't think, like, it got, like, as much attention as it deserved, but, like, so many people that were actually being, did, like, imprisoned there, like, were released when the contract ended. Really? No, okay. And I think, like, also, like, something that, um, you know, I think, like, that was, like, Solorio's argument, but mm -hmm. the fact was, like, most people that were being detained there weren't from Santana vast majority and like the vast majority were asylum seekers um, that were sent to Santana um, but I think you know like I think like it's a real question right like it's 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 a real question but I think like the other part of the conversation is like you know like we were still within like the Obama <laughs> uh, administration that, when that work started and you know, like that was a campaign that local groups like Resilience, um, OC, IYU at the time, um, and like other folks like were engaged in, along with like national organizations like the Transgender Law Center, like Familia Transport Liberation Movement, um, Get Equal, because you know, this was the facility where ICE piloted the practice of like the GBT pots. Mm and like piloted the practice of like um, detention of transgender immigrant women. Right, and so by GDT, yeah, what's our, what was it, uh, GBT? Mm -hmm. So it was gay, bisexual, transgender. Right. Pod. Okay. And it, we actually, you know, because of that campaign, like towards like the, before the election, but before, because of that campaign, like as we were doing the underground work here in Santana, and these national groups were kind of like bringing attention to it, they were like leveraging it, and got really close to get like the Obama administration to to putting in place a policy to just not detain transgender immigrant women. Period. And then the election happened, and at all, right. <laughs> But it's, it's like, you, you know, like, I, I think, like, this also, like, the other, you know, like, what I talked about, like, a lot of work, a lot of change, like, trickled up. And I think that was, like, also, like, an example of where that seemed like it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, because this was such a key facility for the federal government. Um, and, like, just focusing on it through that campaign, like, brought so much attention to the issue. You had, like, Jenny Se Gutierrez, like, interrupting the president at the mm -hmm. um, Pride celebration in 2015, 2015. Um, so it was an issue that was gaining a lot of, like, attention and work. I think, like, the administration got close to basically, like, making a pretty significant change. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't think, like, I, I think people need to realize, like, that these big changes that often come from the federal government is because they start bubbling up at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, when we get to a point where we can do, where we do away with, like, the immigrant detention system, it's going to happen because of all the work that happened at, at the bottom. Yeah, no, I absolutely see, I see the long-term vision. So how is this, um, and you know, maybe the, the phrase itself is, um, for, for folks listening, um, reminiscent of the 
pre-Civil War abolition of, of slavery, right? And saying, like, this is basically an institution and uh, the system that we can no longer abide um, in in this country. Like, how, like, tied in, like, is this current struggle to that struggle? Or is it something you think about, or is it just kind of, you know, the same phrase being used with an acknowledgement of its history, but you kind of see that as a model? Um, well, I mean, like, we're talking, like, about, like, a, you know, like, the, the immigrant detention system, like, it's an extension, and really is, like, is the part of the prison system. And, you know, like, the idea of, like, prison abolition is where it has its roots, right? And we know, like, that prisons and, like, mass incarceration really, you know, like, it's it's just, like, very long thread back, right, like, to, like, to slavery because it's why, you know, like, what's the cost and, like, what's the purpose of mass incarceration? Like, what was it, Right. Like, we know who's being impacted. We know, like, primarily, you know, like, mass incarceration has, like, impacted and and really, like, harmed, like, black communities. And so it's, you know, like, I, I, you know, like, just people have read, like, the New Jim Crow. Like, you have this, um, you know, like the Netflix documentary Thirteenth, right? Like by Ava DuVernay. Like, like the thread is like a very direct thread and a very direct like conne- connection, just because of what the prison system is. Um, and you know, you have like this idea, right? Like of like prison abolition that. You know, like it, it didn't originate necessarily. Like it didn't orig- it originated just with a challenge to like the prison system doesn't is not meant to serve anybody. It's just there to cause harm and it's there to oppress. Um, and so, you know, like when we're talking about like immigrant detention, because it's like an extension of that prison system. Like it's you have like abolitionist frameworks. Um, kind of like, like apply to it as well. Okay, yeah, 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 it totally makes sense. I, I'm again, I'm not as familiar with the intricacies as to the intellectual history of that particular movement. So I'm like, okay, I'm kind of curious as to how that um, is seen and, and how that's kind of boiled down uh, together. Um, earlier, you had mentioned this one particular um, group uh, just in passing. We said Geo Group. What is the Geo Group? So it's just like a private prison company. And they have contracts all over the world. Um, here in California, they run the Adelanto Detention Center up, in, you know, like in the high desert. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's just like one of like a, co- like a couple like big, you know, like private prison companies. And um, with the, without Adelanto, do you, like, do you see that as an example of... Um I guess it's the the prison town kind of community, or is that like, is is that a fair assessment as to what goes on um, in the the rationalization for kind of why Adelanto is the center for so many federal facilities? I guess I'm not, yeah. you know, like I'm not as well versed really like into like what the dynamic and the situation is, you know, like I think 
Um, yeah, like and like I can tell you, right? Like right now, um, just like most of you know, like what I'm sharing, like I'm sharing just like from my experience and like my organizing work from a few years ago. I think like um, you know, like like certainly there's folks that can speak to it a lot better than I and can speak to like what the current situation is right now because I there is you know like because of COVID especially. Um, there is a lot of work going into um, into like the tension and and trying to stop like the expansion of like the tension systems and release people um, but yeah I, I think like what I can talk about is more limited just yeah. in terms of like yeah, the, the, I, yeah like yeah. my work ha- you know like it's my primary work or like my primary where I've been hands on like has shifted right like um you know, like, to, you know, like, doing a lot more, like, issues around, like, policing here in Santana. All right. Yeah, no worries. Um, so thank you for the honest answer of, like, all right. that That's where yeah. my expertise, that's yeah. where, like, my, yeah, like, that's where it stops for me. That's yeah, that's totally okay. I'm, like, I'm literally just, like, very curious about it. I'm, like, okay, so what is, like, that an example of? Um, yeah, because for me, the... The only time I'd ever been there was actually I was just recently this last July I went to go visit uh, the Manzanar um, uh, prison camp, so you know National Historic uh, Monument to the imprisonment of, um, of Japanese Americans during World War II. So you know went, went up and it had been kind of on my like list of like places to go to. So I went, went to go visit it, and then just on the way back um, I ended up taking kind of a detour just to kind of you know take a longer longer road home. Um, the, you know, thing that I just kind of didn't even realize, like, then was just, like, you know, driving through Adelanto and then just seeing, like, the prison's kind of still active, right? So going to this current, or this one site that's, like, um, ingrained on in a historic memory as being a, um, a place of, in in many ways, kind of national shame, right? Like, some, like, a tragic mistake that our country right. is, is, is made. Um, and then to, on the same night, you know, just trying to drive home, like, seeing the active lights and you know prison lights um from the highway kind of showing um what the modern version of that would would be right and right. so that to me was like a very stark Ooh. reminder that the systems that we have in place now that we all kind of take for granted aren't necessarily always going to be there but that you know there's um a struggle to get to that kind of next step yeah yeah and actually um you know i think you know like i, I Right now, like we are, our Penelope, our organizing director, has been plugging in more, like with the Atlanta work, and you know some like the um, taking like a bigger lead on on the immigration work, right? But also, you know, like in talking about like people who, you know, have organized in Santana that went on to do like a lot of like other work, you know, Jose Servin uh, is also like somebody else. You know, he was editor in chief at El Don uh, at Santana College. Uh, he was at OCIYU um, for a while doing, doing communications work, and now he's the communications director at the California Marin Youth Justice Alliance. And, you know, I think, like, he's someone that's definitely been, like, very, like, hands-on with the the work around, like, immigrant detention um, just all across the state. Here uh, in Adelanto and Yuba, um, I, he's someone that, you know, can definitely who's local, 
right. Uh, so he's someone whose contact information will give me so we can continue right on here. Con- yeah, yeah no, we'll continue the conversation. You know, <laughs> I, I think he's someone that can really, that can really, you know, like, um, like speak to to what the the details and the intricacies and like the organizing looks like today. <laughs> All right, super cool. And like so, what you're saying earlier was that a lot of your work has shifted maybe more on um, some of the communications and media side for for Chispa. So like, what's um, and, and you kind of talked about your, your vision for the organization. So how did it actually like get started? And like, where were some of those kind of outlets that you initially you know, started using for 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 getting some of these stories out? Um, yeah, I mean, let's see. So. I'm not uh, <laughs> um, I'm not a very creative person myself, but I drew from experience. And so you know like we really turned like you know like our website has been a big part of it, you know I one like Orange County is a media desert for a fact. That's a fact. Um, countywide, you know we have Voice of OC and we have the Orange County Register that are like, local hometown like I don't even know if we can still see registers like hometown but uh, that are like hey man it was the Santa Ana register for decades until okay. they <laughs> okay fair um, and so we're like you know what like let's let's use our website as like the platform mm-hmm. and so that we, we publish blogs there and I got the idea because you know we did the national Nava more deportation campaign 2012 to or yeah to like 2014 and and what the campaign did actually was like pretty amazing and really using the websites like blog to document the entire campaign and you know like publishing um whether it was like op-eds or just like updates on the campaign and like every time there was like a uh, protest, like each protest was accompanied by, you know, by a blog post with information, with like live stream videos, and I think you know, like it, like it, one, like it became a good platform, just because, you know, like if nothing else, they could share that out. You know, if there was like no other coverage, there was that, and again, like a you know like a really good level of traffic um it also i think like now like i think like the website needs some work but it's a really good archive you know you're a historian yeah so one of my biggest complaints is that uh most uh web web uh um hosts and uh, most um operators don't back up their their their, their yeah. uh, history uh, and, and it disappears afterwards so. right um, but it's like that website is there like as an archive like as a, f- a f- what do you call first person not first person it's a first person it's a primary primary like source. a primary source right like archive of this campaign that you know pushed President Obama to expand like the DACA program to end the secure communities program to make other changes to the um, deportation enforcement like programs um, and it's there right and I think like I also saw like the importance like in in that in that respect um, 
but yeah, you know, that just to, in summary, our website became like, kind of like, for that, for like the, the, um, publishing for like the narrative building, narrative change, whatever you want to call it, um, that kind of like became like the central spot. Okay. And I guess the, the other thing, since you didn't talk about the archive, is um, are you still going to go around and uh, collect the early Dream Team uh, paperwork so that it's saved somewhere and not destroyed? Anyone I, listening? I would love to. <laughs> uh, I was actually doing that with uh, Rafa Solorzano. Yeah. But, you know, we both got busy. And Rafa became a professor. Rafa became a professor. <laughs> um, I mean, I, it's something I still would love to, I think, like, yeah, like I think like histories like that are important. Mm -hmm. And no, absolutely, and I, I think that that's one of the bigger collections. that's like just floating out there. I'm like, oh God, like it needs to be saved. <laughs> yeah, and like it's you know you start pulling at threads, right? Like it's mm -hmm. like, like yeah. So that was like the group, but where it started, you know, it's like um, there's a professor at SAC. Hmm. I had her. I'm sure you had. Did you go to SAC? I did. Yeah. She teaches Chicano. Oh, Angie Vena. Yes, so she was the club advisor for the student movement organization, which was an undocumented club on campus, mm. like, like early two thousands, like after you know AB five forty. Minerva was her student, and so she was their club advisor. And so, student movement organization is basically what went on to become the dream team mm. when it jumped out of campus. Uh, and so it's like isn't you know like it's yeah. fun learning about this because you start like digging and you s mm -hmm. you're like oh there was something before it mm -hmm. you know and it evolved and then it evolved again and yeah um, so yeah I mean no totally yeah, no, no, in agreement yeah no, no I totally love uh, Angie Van I've been trying to get her to do um, a presentation on Anaheim forever she's finally gonna do one for the museo mm -hmm. um, but she's been wor been working on like this. Um, it's about her history for Anaheim uh, for a long time. And I, I totally sympathize with her because I've been trying to do the history for Santa Ana now for like 10 years. And it's been like just so slow going because you just have to dig through everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Angie is super cool and definitely um, yeah. inspired generation. She always taught like seven classes every like quarter. Yeah, I had her for like two, three classes at one point in one semester. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, she's still still there. So I, I thought she would have uh, retired by now, but she's like, yeah, still checking along. Yeah, and, and like it's also you know like so many like so, yeah like uh, just I, I guess there's like the Angelina like fan club hour. <laughs> um, yeah, like a lot of people were like all you know so many people. She's taught like so many people. I remember when we did the I don't know if you remember we did um, civil disobedience <laughs> at Loretta Sanchez's office in DC. I remember that because I think one of uh, so this is when I was still at the library and I think Dulce, one of our kids yeah, Dulce yeah, got arrested. Dulce was arrested. Dulce, it was like, hey. Luis and uh, Jonathan Bibresca and I remember um, when we came back from DC, from DC like the following I went to class and we were talking about it and she's like oh I, I saw a very familiar face on there because like one of them was her former student too. <laughs> oh man. Man, I need to get someone from SAC to come on because there's like an entire like, it, it's like weird, right? It's like this small like, it is a, a cool little institution here that I think is, is has impacted a lot of our lives. And right. sometimes we don't talk about our, our you know SAC years, but I was there for like I was there for four years because of uh, going to middle SAC college. Legend. 
Sack Legend. Sack Legend. Exactly. <laughs> At the Dropout Center, aka the was it the Johnson Center? Like where we just play video games all day. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we just called it. Yeah, nickname was the Dropout Center because you just like hang out all day. Um, but I was actually like once I got in, into Sack like proper and like uh, from freshman year, it was really good. It was just like super supportive. Uh, the Ulink program totally helped me out. Um, without the Northern trip, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And like I yeah. honestly. honestly it, yeah, not that it would have been a bad outcome, but I, I was just doing enough to like go to go to Fullerton, get a degree in like engineering, and then just like work like get a basic engineering firm. Like that was literally like yeah, I'll just do that. It's fine. Like just get it done and out of the way. Um, but actually, wanting to like see the world was um, happened because of the northern trip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I I I think like I. Always, um, like, just like when I reflect on it, just, just like mm-hmm. academics, like education-wise, I think like I'm grateful for three things. Uh, I'm grateful that you know I took high school drama and high school journalism, <laughs> and that uh, you know like for my time uh, at SAC, I think yeah. like more than anything, I feel like those three things, like education-wise, are shaped me a lot yeah yeah no I, I totally agree on that and still try to keep a hold of my old uh, history professor there it really encouraged me to to dive into history uh thomas osborne he's like down in laguna beach um but super cool guy like both the osborne's were like professors there as well um and now we're just now i just feel like an old timer reminiscing <laughs> about the the olden days the olden days now as we have to move uh what is the new phrase now for the party the democratic party it's like moving forward um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, what are your what are your hopes for the like? Uh, I, I I guess we we shared our bumper sticker story on the way in. You know, we were both um, Bernie supporters in the primary. Um, so, uh, how do you feel about the the ticket, the, the Democratic ticket? Uh, honestly, I haven't watched a single speech from the DNC. Okay. Uh, I think. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um. I I I am definitely. Um, Trump has to go and I don't think like I, you know like I, I think like the question of like can we survive like four more years of Trump like is like a very real one and I think like just seeing how you know like how much and like to what extent he's already trying to under one like undermine like election participation two like preemptively question like the results of the election like we're I, I you know it's this is very different and we're with him like we're heading down somewhere like we absolutely like won't come back from um I think like you know, like I, I have my reservations on the Democratic ticket. Joe Biden is not someone that really like I align with. Um, here in Orange County, especially, there's like still like a lot of um, just like with Senator Harris, like from her time as Attorney General, like a lot of disappointments and a lot of. You know, like, especially now that we're reckoning with this, with, you know, like, the role of, like, police and, like, law enforcement, right? Mm-hmm. You know, whether we're talking about, like, the 
those, like snitch scandal or just letting the Orange County Sheriff like get away with violations of the Trust Act, right? Which was one is like one of the uh, main laws like protecting immigrants from deportation here in the state. Um, so I'm not, you know, like I'm not gonna shame anybody that's not down for the ticket, and I'm not gonna gonna go out and fight anyone that's like super excited about the ticket. I think Trump has to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Bernie. I know. That's all right. Inspired generation. Um, but damn, that was. I guess I don't know. It's weird though. Like in a weird way, it was closer in twenty sixteen almost than it was in twenty twenty. Right? Maybe like it was just the one on one, the difference. I, I I mean I think it was the not just like the one on one, but he. I think like this time he made the decision a lot earlier to just, you know, like, not drag on, not like. Drag continue it out. the race yeah. through to like the very end that's true ah uh, man uh. but you know I think like it's real just like the coalescing like of establishment like around Biden like that's very real mm-hmm. yeah it was everyone like right away it was like it was like stop burning at any cost mm-hmm. and that says a lot hmm well, I guess we have the three uh, three parties of the United States. We have the left uh, wing of the Democratic Party, the center right, and new Republicans that have come in, or the old uh, moderate Republicans that have now entered the Democratic Party right. in the center. Um, and then the right wing uh, remnant of the old Republican Party, which is now the QAnon, QAnon Tea Party, yeah. the QT Party. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or TQ, I don't know. Like it's a, just, uh, yeah, um, but okay, that is. It's an interesting time to to be alive in American politics, and that's why, like, I guess for me, it's like um, some of the national stuff won't be able to to push as as much, but the local. Um, so Tisa has already endorsed two candidates, and you know, what does that endorsement actually entail then? We're just like giving giving them the thumbs up and being like, all right, these are the people that um, support TSPA's values or? Um, is that, and it's like, you know, I think right now we're still like in the stages of figuring out like what the organizing and like the support like looks like on our side. Okay. Um, I think like what I can speak to, you know, it's, it's, um, it's like this, it, now or never right like I think like the time to make like those types of like interventions and like to make those um, those calls like when it comes to candidates Mm -hmm. here in Santana like it it had to be now it had to be this election Um, and I think like with uh, you know like with Vicente and Jesse, like, they're two candidates that I think, like, we felt, like, comfortable um, comfortable with. Um, and that I think, like, are, you know, like, are the two best candidates, like, in their races. Yeah. And I don't totally agree on that. And are you guys uh, reaching out for any of the um, either state or county races as well? Or is that still, like, well, maybe take a look at it and... Uh, we're not ready for that. Not ready for that. We're no. not re- You know, I think, I think too, just like, um, 
just like being mindful of like what our capacity is, mm-hmm. what our like, you know, it's it's. I mean, like we endorsed you and Carolyn last time around, but that was just kind of like the just the thumbs up, <laughs> thumbs up uh, type of endorsement. Um, and you thumbs up and 150 more votes, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's. I think it's also like, yeah. I, I I think like eventually, right? Like it would be great, like if if we can be at a point one, like where we can do that, and where like that thumbs up actually like means something, you know, um, or like yeah, like where 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 like the endorsement actually has like an impact, mm-hmm. like more than anything. Um, I think. You know, I can say thumbs up, but does that get you any more votes, really? Right. Yeah, um, no, that's the 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 the, uh, the challenge is always like, okay, how do you convert? Um, for me, I think the challenge has been like, how do you convert um, people that have been rightfully cynical about the the process into at least participating in the vote, and you know, but acknowledging like, look, it's not just the the vote the one time. It's like you're basically voting someone in there you can then at least negotiate with and like bring over like be able to to in many ways pressure into different positions you know at least we'll have an open mind versus having a person there that will just not it'll be a non-starter no matter what you throw at them that you know there's no there's not going to be any room for negotiation there um because I, I think that's like you know, like like you're we're kind of talking about earlier like you know at least when you had um someone on even when you were opposing the Obama administration, there was at least the thought and ability to, okay, look, you put enough pressure, you can move the administration in a particular direction because it's the right thing to do and they will eventually kind of come around to this with enough pressure. Maybe. I mean, I, I but, think, like, Obama's, like, not the right example for that. All right. I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you could, you know, it's like, I think with some of these, like, progressive priorities, like, it just gets like di- more difficult and like nicer when we're talking about like federal elections, right? Or like federal like electeds. But yeah, I th- I think if not like pressure, like shame, you know, like if somebody like runs on something and does like, you know, like some like something that doesn't like live up to it. Um, but it's you know I think like the question of like the cynicism is like is very valid, you know. Um, like it's because people have supported candidates in the past and have been, you know, like let down, and we're in the situation where we're at, you know, it's like, and you know, like this, the cynicism is very, very valid. I think, how do you overcome it? Um, also, you know, I, I think like the the part like that I've been like grappling with too, you know, is just like I don't wanna like I don't wanna misrepresent like what you know, what like things are, you know. Mm-hmm. I think um but I think you know, I, I, I think like what you know, like Vince has been like in office. Um and I think you know, like sometimes I feel like in, in past elections, um, there's been candidates that say like, hey, like I support you, but I can't like, I'm, you know, it's like, well, let's talk after the election. And, you know, I think like to Vince's credit, he's been taking the votes, you know, mm-hmm. Vince, Vince voted against um, against the budget because of just like, con- like just the way that it continues and continued to, you know, like 
prioritize over just not just like prioritize like policing enforcement like the t tough on crime like budgeting priorities um over actual programs that actually address like residences like material and like living conditions and so vince took that vote you know like he didn't you know like he didn't say like let's talk about after the election is he took the vote that he took like he took the vote in support of like the vast majority of people that spoke at city council he took the vote like in alignment like with like the young people that you know came out and you know like really like mobilized and engaged he took the vote uh just this past week right like against like gutting the housing opportunity ordinance And I think, I, I think like that's like, you know, like that's really, really important. That's really, you know, um, I don't want to say comforting, but it's like it, it really like reinforces, right? Like, like Vince, um, like Vince Vicente is, is standing by like, you know, like the platform that he's putting forward and we have the votes. He has like the votes to show it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like that's that's something that's um, you know it's it's great, it's admirable, it's um, you know it definitely isn't like waiting till after the election to show us how he's gonna lead. It's he's doing it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, extremely important. And um, yeah, I guess I'm um, I'm hopeful in this moment, you know, right? So for me, it's like, okay, like wanting to to see a different uh, path forward for, for the city of Santa Ana, which, you know, to me, it should be the most progressive city in the county by far, right? It should be like uh, one of the most progressive cities in the state, just like demographically. And I think even just like uh, public opinion wise on like a series of issues, I think that there is kind of support for for policies here um, that you would, you would have a hard time finding support for in some other, you know, um, cities or suburbs. And again, part of that is just made up because of, uh, the major demographic shifts here. Uh, but then also I think there's an understanding and underlying sense of community here that you get, um, even in our like conservative nonprofit world, the kind of under or conservative, like, and by nonprofit, I mean like our conservative, um, uh, faith community that realizes the importance of kind of coming together, you know, being part of a community that isn't quite so, Um, individualistic when it comes to particular policies. Like there is a certain sense where um, a, lot, a vast majority of people here in the city want to work together. Um, and it's not just kind of, um, it's not so individualistic. It, it is, you know, still, still U.S., but there, there's that hope at least to try to try to find some common ground. Um, but then each and every election, it's always like, okay, well, who's like better organized, who has the, the money and kind of who's run campaigns here in, in the city for the last 40 years and knows how to, Gotta squeeze out every single vote from the right districts. Right, <laughs> and that's a, it's a challenge. Challenge. Um, so, I do appreciate you, um, you know, working on fighting the uh, desertification of the um, media landscape here. So, I don't know if you can like talk about that as kind of what one of our closing items. Like, yeah, you know, what is the future of like local media in Orange County? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I don't know. I mean, even you know, I can, I, you know, like I, I know, like the challenge too, right? Like, I think like, well, like for so let me talk about, like about like just like what more like our challenge is like on that end. You know, it's like we're a small group, 
staff-wise, we're like three people. Um, and it's it's like time allocation decisions, right? Like, you know, definitely like our end of like the publishing has also like gone down. Um, and it's just, it's like writing takes time, editing takes time. Um, and so it's something that we really, you know, like I really want us to, you know, get back uh, to to doing like with more consistency, um, not just like write, you know, is and it's like not just like yeah, continuing to cover like our work, put forward, you know. I th I think like my my approach to it is like we publish one because we get to put our we get to define what the problem is um, without a filter and we get to put forward what our prescribed solutions are without, you know, the filter of going through a reporter. Um, we also have done just, you know, like some articles, either we ourselves or like somebody covered, you know, I know like we did one like about like sanctuary sound, uh, Francisco Aviles has done like a couple of like features, right? Like both of like people collectives, um, that have been like great, like have been like amazing. Um, or we provided the opportunity for people that are working on whatever issue to write about it like themselves and write about their own work themselves. And so it's something that I really want to like build up again or and like or like bring back with like more consistency. Um, just the, you know, like the time of constraint of like campaigns and all of this other parts of the organization it's it's hard and it takes resources um what broadly in orange county what the media landscape will look like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i i just know like i know like we lost like a very important um just both like platform like source of like information like um source of like history like with the oc weekly you know i we ran a column on the oc week like a weekly column called uh deport this it was mm -hmm. just like strictly an immigration column um they you know i think like they're they're articles like on like history like were amazing right and i think like like nobody else like really looked at like dug into like orange county's history that way and like losing that like also you know again going back to like losing like history is like it's a huge blow to the county um and also just like you know, like, just talking about, like, the issues, right? Like, nobody really covered, like, issues of, like, policing, like, like, Gabriel San Roman, the, like, with the OC Weekly. Like, no one. Um, yeah, or, or Moxley. Or, or Moxley. Um, and so, I, you know, I think, like, right now, like, the landscape, without, like, the OC Weekly, like, the landscape is bleak. Um, Voice of OC certainly does like a lot of like great like reporting um, and I know you know like just seeing like just like the reporting on on the uh, pandemic has been like ex 
extremely like important and like informational and like has you know like served the purpose of like like at times like they've been their coverage has been like what's pushed the county to like not be as like terrible as, <laughs> as the as county terrible. has been yeah um and it kind of shows you know like why like this is so needed and mm-hmm. yeah, i absolutely uh, agree with that so i uh voice of oc gets uh their 10 to 15 dollars i think it's only 10 dollar check for me every every month <laughs> um but they did they do uh some really good work um and i guess now you know i think it is more the demise of the weekly um that has kind of had that like um gnawing um thought as to what the future is for for local reporting here um we'd already kind of seen the decline of the register and i guess maybe that didn't hit me as hard even like after the register like left and downsized to like a small office because if, you know from my perspective they never really um they never really covered county or some major investigative issues like as like um strongly as even some of their like non-journalistic competitors right if the oc register was like kind of like the main our, our mainstream source of news here like they I never really saw them like go after some of these no. more aggressive stories um, because that wasn't you know really the, the reading right. base. So yeah, you know, with that loss, I, I felt a little, a little less so. Uh, but with the weekly, it was definitely kind of feeling um, like a generational voice and kind of guiding um, ethos that I grew up with. I just happened to grow up during the time when the weekly took off. Um, that was part of my upbringing. That, that that was totally gone. So right, that is like an end of an era. It's like, oh wow, like this is the the um, you know first newspaper that I really would pick up at shows and say like, okay, this is what's going on all around Orange County, and made me feel like I was part of an Orange County community and one that wasn't so unlike me. Right. right. Like even if we were like demographically different, we had kind of like no, we were like growing up in this like multi ethnic suburb, trying to figure out what like the next version of it was going to be after inheriting all of this like really heavy, um, structurally racist and actually racist you know, on you know, the individual level, like all those burdens that were placed upon us by our uh, predecessors. So yeah, it's just uh, interesting that it's gone, um, and now we have. At least it's showing up in, the, in my Facebook feed is like things like the Irvine Weekly, which I think is just going to be a promotional uh, effort by the Irvine, by you know, various subdivisions to yeah. promote Irvine. And we'll always have Coast Magazine because you know, people like to have high class food and whining and dining. So Orange Coast will, will still yeah. be around, um, which is actually weird, though. The Orange Coast actually does have some really interesting articles if you go into their archive, like then like uh-huh. some older ones, like they'll have like some really like interesting things like, wow, they don't, they don't cover this sort of stuff anymore. Um, but yeah, now I'm just like, I don't know what's next because uh, a voice of OC is super in, for me, like uh, an amazing source for government and um, you know, political news. But then, uh, you know, the cultural reporting is a little like um, – yeah, because they're a little bit more serious about kind of the stuff that they do in you know, limited resources and scope. They're not going to be doing the um, the site visits to you know underground, uh, right? <laughs> you know, underground shows, or they they won't be talking about like just like some random spot. Yeah, like that's not necessarily their right. purview, and that that is like another important kind of role that OC Weekly serves is kind of highlighting cool things around town, right? Which is important, like yeah. you know, even if it's not like political or like organized, it's super important to like your just general yeah. sense of place. Yeah, and I mean, like for me, it was like the those like historical like pieces, right? Um, I, you know, I think like 
I've, I've saved like a couple of those, right? Um, and I think like one, just like thinking back, like one that really, you know, like stuck with me was the, um, uh, Gustavo wrote it. It was on the uh, deported immigrants of like Bassingcherry. I don't know how the fuck you pronounce it. Uh, Bassingcherry Ranch and Fullerton. Um, and so like you know like just like stories like that you know. One like just like Orange. It seems or yeah like Orange County like historical society type people like don't want to look at themselves and you know like an actual like the uh, actual light um and like you know like they're not i don't see at least like i don't see it right it's not in my algorithm um (laughs) you know like i'm not seeing (laughs) anyone else like really look at at, at things like that right yeah and i guess that's the 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 big thing is that there's um there's a bit of divide in the historical community between kind of a lot of your local historians and maybe specialized in a particular city, I'm, I'm you know guilty of this and kind of within my own uh, network, um, and then also some of the uh, academic practitioners that maybe look at a case study in Orange County but then aren't like necessarily rooted in it. So like they'll be more of a let's say they'll have definitely much more of a critical, analytical, and kind of academic background. But then it's like them diving into a topic rather than them being kind of immersed from right. the county and then like applying that same right. lens. So, so it, it, there's weaknesses. I would say I would argue actually on both ends. Um, and what is happening slowly though is that you, you do finally see a demographic kind of like turnover and shift, like in the uh, makeup of local historians. Um, I, I th- I'd like to count myself amongst this, but you know, so um, uh, Luis Fernandez, um, Angie Vena. Um, the uh, work that Kevin Cabrera is doing on the African-American community here, that there are a lot of kind of local historians that have kind of grown up here that aren't necessarily like like uh, tenured ac- academics that need to kind of continuously publish, um, that are looking at our local histories in, in a different way. Um, but, you know, part of that is modeled on the sense that um, it needs to be more accessible, a la OC Weekly, uh, while still also being like kind of factually like holding to the truth, right? And that's that's tough. So yeah, sometimes it's like you want to have the screaming headline, but then you're like, well, I can't really, like, you don't really know. <laughs> it's like you have your feeling and you have your kind of like gut instinct as to what it could be. But then well, quite honestly, just by looking at the record, then you're like, the record's incomplete. Like, this is the, my best guess, but it's an incomplete record. Uh, oh, well, maybe in 10 years, I'll finally have the book done. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I want it done. Uh, I want it done in the next two years, but we'll see how that goes. All right. Well, um, Heido, is there anything else you'd like to add? No? We're good? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, uh, for uh, talking about T-Spa and uh, the local media landscape. And, um, yeah, everything that's going on or that you know, it was was happening with the uh, fight for immigration rights and the abolition of the uh, prison industrial complex here in this country. All right. So... Yeah, thank you all for for listening. Uh, thanks uh, to Heido for for coming on in and talking about uh, you know the, all those um, you know important issues that are kind of going on in in our little area. And I think it just goes to show that 
you know, the people that have been organizing that are involved in our, our city uh, do go on and, and do other things at the, uh, you know, kind of uh, state and national level. And it's you know, important to, to celebrate those ties, to look at the ways that uh, young people are changing this country and, um, yeah, just how, you know, Santa Ana is being involved in, in that whole story. So hoping that you got a little bit of, um, yeah, just a, you had some useful information out of this whole process. And, um, yeah, as always, uh, thanking Edgar uh, Silva here at the Michael Scott Paper Company Studios slash Iron Lion Media Studios uh, in wonderful, sunny, and blisteringly hot Santa Ana. So I uh, hope you all are safe um, and that your families are doing well um, in this uh, very uh, trying time. You know, we're all uh, in this together, so uh, let's all look out for each other. La mini y el estándar La mini la visto Yo recordaré Donde me paseaba Con mis camaradas Y algunos amores Que me conquisté Que soy un borracho Pero un buen amigo Y todo latino Va en mi corazón Que por las venas llevamos lo mismo La sangre más bella como ella no hay dos Santana, Santana, tierra americana Donde mis recuerdos un día quedarán Aunque soy borracho, yo ha sido mi cuna Y muchos amigos me van a extrañar 